1: It sounds like such a simple idea. Go to a city and then start up conversations with random passing strangers by asking them one question. Where are you going? And because of the open-ended nature of the question and the disarming nature of the person asking it, people do seem to open up. And the series called Where Are You Going? can take you off in all sorts of unexpected directions. I started listening to it first a couple of years ago when the series opened in New York and Amsterdam. And since then, host Catherine Cars visited a total of 11 cities, with the latest season covering Southeast Asia. She spends a few days in each place, records heaps of material, then edits it all down to about 26 minutes. I'll speak to Catherine in just a minute about how she does it. But first, let's head to Hanoi in Vietnam.
2: We are going to the Temple of Literature to um, pray for the best score in the, our upcoming exam. you nervous? Yes, we are all very nervous, because uh, it's one of the most important exam of our life.
3: How old are you?
2: We are 18. Okay.
3: So after this exam, does that help you go to university? Or yes,
2: it's that kind of exam.
3: What do you want to do when you're grown up?
2: I'm going to studying in uh, electronic mechanical, designing the, uh, the robots.
3: Oh. What do you think about robotics and technology? Do you think it's a good thing?
2: Definitely. Uh, I think it is one of the, the most important thing in our future.
3: Does it feel exciting to be 18 and then you're going to start work and it's going to be all technology, robots, AI, everything cool?
2: The same thing about being 18 is not only uh, just technology and robots, it's our new experience about being naturally an, an grown up people like uh, an adult, and I can uh, be be free. I can take responsibility to my own the things I'm going to do in the future.
3: What kind of adult do you think you'll be <laughs>
2: What, what do you mean?
3: What kind of person do you want to be when you're growing up? I know you want to work with technology, but... all oh, the thunder! <laughs> um, but what kind of person do you want to be?
2: The person I want to be is... I, I want to travel around the world. I want to be a um, global citizen. So you want to people. leave
3: Vietnam?
2: <sighs> not, not that kind of leave, but I, I want to travel and I can come back to Vietnam anytime I want. Where do you want to go? To Canada, to Europe.
3: Your friends are helping. (laughs) (laughs) What did they say?
2: They say Dubai. Dubai. Why Dubai? Because they are very rich. (laughs) Do you want to be rich? Um, Rich but enough, not too much.
3: So when you go and pray at the literature temple, what prayer do you say?
2: Well, actually, they will do all the things, and all we have to do is to listen and uh, to uh, do the hands like this, and they hit the drum and the bell.
3: And do you believe it will help?
2: (laughs) I think that it's just the more we pray, I think we'll gain luckiness. On the other hand, we will also have to try our best to do the exam.
4: Oh. why are you putting that microphone on my mobile? So that you can speak and then I can listen. I want to know,
3: where are you going today?
4: Where am I going? Um, it's almost time for... I'm going to my grandparents' house.
3: Yeah. What are you going to do at your grandparents' house?
4: Mm, I am going to, I'm going to live there now. And then for a while, all the time, and finish, like, living there, I'm going to go back on my auntie's house and just for five days. And then I'm going to go to another country, to the Philippines. Is that where you're from? Yes, I study there, and then when I finish, I go back here. I live in my auntie's house again, and then I go again on my grandparents' house, then on my auntie's house again, then I go back. It all goes like that. What about your mum? Uh, that's complicated to say.
3: So you travel a lot? Yes! Do you like travelling? Of course! What do you like about travelling?
4: Uh, it's like exploring. The, the most exciting thing is the airplane because it's so high. But the thing is I don't like to go on night time. It's very dangerous and even, uh,
3: I don't know. How old are you? Seven. You seem very mm, grown up for seven. What do you want to be when you're grown-up? When
4: I'm a what? When you're an adult. Hmm? A pilot, of course. I told you already. I told you that my favourite travelling is planes. So I will try to make it. But it's going to be very hard for that college. Hmm.
3: You already know it's going to be hard. Yeah. Are you a good student? Do you work hard? Uh, no. Are you a bit cheeky? I don't know. <laughs> what do your teachers say about you?
4: I'm just top eight, sorry. You're just what? Top
2: eight.
4: Top eight? Well, that's good. No, the good one is top one. So, going to your grandma's, then your auntie's, then the Philippines. But today, we're gonna close now and go into my grandparents' house. Do you like staying with
3: your grandparents? You want to stay? (laughs) Thank you. I would like to stay, but I've got work to do. Do you like staying there? Uh,
4: Yeah, of
3: course. Is your grandma kind? Not really.
4: Especially my daddy. He's always (laughs) Sorry. Is your dad in Vietnam? Uh, my dad is right on the Philippines, on the other country. Hmm, your life is complicated. I told you!
3: (laughs) (laughs) Up and down avenues, flags flutter outside busy shops and the air is full of the delicious smell of food. I
5: was just wondering where you're going. Oh, mind, mind yourself in the car. Hi, I'm going home. <laughs> I go to my hopes. I uh, just uh, buy a um, meal for baby. Ah, for your baby? Yes. Oh, how old? Uh, is she uh, eight a month. Oh, yeah. What's his name? My baby is numb. Numb. Oh. Yeah. Is it quite hard work? Hard work. Yeah, like tiring with a baby. Yes, very tired. <laughs> Does your mum help or your family? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish my body help me uh, take the care of my baby. But um, nobody, because it's my family is very busy. Uh, yeah. That's difficult. Yeah. So every day... You and the baby? Yes, every day. Do you have friends with babies?
0: Um, oh. No, nobody.
5: nobody. No ha- friends, no family. Uh, it's only me. Are you sad or happy? Very sad, very stressed. Something my husband takes care of uh, my baby. Uh, he's very angry. And my baby very, very, very Crying. My baby very surprised, and my husband very angry but, and I very tired and uh, every day every day uh, I take care of my babies and I two babies. Two? Yes because I uh, have twin baby twins
0: yes.
5: twins oh my goodness uh, it to me, I finish because I am
1: uh, very, by uh cries. The Hanoi edition of Where Are You Going? with Catherine Carr, produced by Joe Coombs of Loftus Media for the BBC World Service. And I spoke to Catherine via Skype to ask her all about that all-important central question.
3: I think the genius thing about the question is everybody can answer it because if you're in transit and you're walking somewhere or cycling somewhere you are going somewhere whether it's just to the shops or just to post a letter or whatever it is so it's not like a dreaded vox pop which journalists are sent out to do where they ask about what do you think about the new announcement from the government and people think I don't know what to say to that I don't I don't have an answer everyone's got an answer and then beyond the actual journey that they're physically undertaking when I stop and interrupt them you know they've left something behind like work or kids or an argument with their spouse or a surprise birthday breakfast whatever it is and then they're on the way somewhere else and there's so many stories that you can unpick from where they've been what they're thinking about on the way and where they're going but it's it's such a rich smorgasbord of personal detail you could get anything, I think, if you played your card right. And the genius of interrupting people as a stranger on a journey is you're actually accessing something that counsellors and psychotherapists notice a lot, which is in the last five minutes of a session, often a client will come out with the big secret and tell their counsellor, oh, you know, and, and that's when it happened, that's when she left me, or that's when my heart broke. Because they're safe, they know that they're just about to leave. And they don't really have to deal with the consequences so in this kind of fleeting moment of anonymity but intimacy it's like people are really free and they feel this opportunity to unburden or share or celebrate or cry and then I'm gone and they they can move on and I think it's I hope it's a nice experience for them as well I, I, I definitely never push until someone's angry And I always go away knowing that they were happy telling me what they told me. And I like to think that there's something sort of magical about that little pocket of intimacy that we share.
1: Do lots of people tell you to get lost, though, or do you have to kind of cope with rejection much?
3: Weirdly, no. In the last series I did in East Asia, we went to Seoul, Hanoi and Tokyo. That was the trickiest. I think partly culturally there's not such a culture of sharing but also language was more of an issue and there's a humbleness around people's ability to speak English so that was harder because people said no 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 my English isn't very good and actually five minutes later it turned out their English was great but a lot of people's English isn't that great and that was a barrier but everywhere else the rejection rate is so low it's astonishing it's astonishing I don't I think I must have had about Three or four absolutely don't talk to me in the whole time I've been doing it.
1: That must be something about you, then, because go, I've gone out and done Vox on the street and no shortage of people telling me, no, no, I don't want to talk. There must be something about you, very open and approachable, that people respond to. I don't
3: know. I mean, I'm I'm very tall, so people joke
1: that I'm oh, intimidating.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I dress really, not purposefully, but a little bit purposefully, quite drab, so I look... I'm not sort of dressed up. I don't look threatening. I'm in jeans and trainers and a boring T-shirt. And I do have a kind of way of often falling into step with people. So that I have got better at is the physical kind of ballet of it. You know, spotting someone that I want to talk to and doing a little manoeuvre and ending up next to them without them realising. But, you know, I'm just asking them where they're going. So if they say, you know what, really busy, going to visit my grandma, I haven't seen her for three weeks. And then they genuinely have to go, that's cool, but they told me.
1: I was interested in how you chose the people to talk to. Did you find yourself pre-selecting for certain people or did you try and keep it very random?
3: It really messes with your head a bit because, especially in New York, that was like the uber crazy place where I had this feeling that every single person had something great to say. And I just never sat down for hours and hours and hours every day. And then when people gave me answers that weren't great, I got kind of paranoid that the really interesting people were in Soho or like a Central Park. And I would spend three hours walking there because I was sure I'd just picked the wrong part of town. And then it does kind of mess with your head because you're searching, searching, searching for really good stories. The truth is, everybody's got a really good story, It's just how good you are at getting it out of them. That said, some people give off a very much like don't even bother vibe. Like really don't bother. And I tend not to go up to those people. And some people you can just tell they're going to, they make eye contact with you, they're inviting it. And I tend to try and keep them to the minimum because I don't just want show-offs. I do want some people that I've had to seduce and draw out and it's a bit of a game in a way. As to whether it's entirely random, it can't be. But that said, you know, we are so many people and then we end up with just 23, 26 minutes. So we lose so many stories. I can't tell you the heartbreak of the lost stories that just end up, I don't know, in a digital bin somewhere that are just wonderful but didn't fit
1: which is down to, sometimes it's down to how long they were or how well the the accent came across, perhaps when you're listening to it in the studio or what was the background noise going on. There's a lot of random and quite chance things that could exclude great stories, isn't there?
0: Yeah, or,
3: you know, without being too artificial, you want to give the listener a really full experience. So the soundscape is as important as the stories. You really want to give people this kind of Audio slice of a city. So you can't use eight minutes of audio on a story which is quite similar to a really great story that's only two minutes long. So sometimes you just think, damn, that you know, we can't use it. There was a great one in New York, this wonderful sad man who told the story of holding his lover as she died in his arms. And they'd been girlfriend and boyfriend and then been separated by life and then got back together again. She walked into a video store where he worked. She ended up with cancer and she was quite ravaged by the disease. And he had this great New York accent and he was standing by this this train in Brooklyn that came and went and came and went. And it kept coming at these times when he was saying something really intimate. Didn't make it worse, it made it better. Because he had to sort of shout, you know, she died in my arms. And, you know, and it was just this, incredible juxtaposition of shouting something so private but we couldn't make it shorter we just couldn't and it was too long for the episode but it still breaks my heart that
1: that story wasn't told is that one of the stories that sticks in your memory
3: yeah you know it's funny we have a photographer that comes with us now but even before we did I just have to hear a couple of seconds from a program or even from a story that we lost and I can conjure up that person's face almost immediately it's such a kind of locked eyes imprinting intimate kind of bubble that you you go into it feels like everything else is going on around you people are coming and going and doing their own journeys and you've just stopped in that moment you're just sharing and then they go and I I can call them all to mind there's a man in Calcutta who was dying of AIDS and he was on this sort of self-made pilgrimage, visiting all these little churches in this part of the city. that meant something to him. And then he wanted to pray, so we ended up standing on this street corner. And, you know, I can, th- I can see him. I can see the way that his mouth moved now when I think about it.
1: Has it changed the way that you travel or that you walk around a city? Like, you know, whether you're at home or, or when you go overseas, are your radars out? Are you looking at people in a slightly different way?
3: Sometimes I think, oh, this is really nice. I don't have to spoil this weekend by getting my microphone out and feeling really conspicuous, because let's face it, sometimes real anonymity is really nice. But the thing that's a real privilege is you go to a city for three days maximum is how long I'm there. And in those three days, I get sometimes to see lovely things because I might walk past them or go and have a look for half an hour or something. But I get to talk to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who live in that city. And it's like, I always think, doing an MRI of a city. So in Seoul, you end up with kind of lovely kids going to college and stressed businessmen and K-pop fans. And, you know, somehow these people arrange themselves into my program. So you've got this kind of amazing slice through all the layers of the city. And I've had a chance to talk to all these people. So even when I go to a city and I feel relieved that I don't have to get my microphone out and talk, I also feel a bit robbed that I'm only getting the surface of a city. Whereas when I do this programme, I really feel like I get underneath the skin a bit of it for that period of time.
1: Catherine Carr, and sorry about the quality of that slightly patchy Skype line. You can find links to all those 11 cities she's visited for Where Are You Going? on our website right now. That's at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour.